0: What a wonderful, wonderful day in the house of the Lord, and I'm thankful for all that He's allowed us to experience already today, and for what He has for us tonight in His Word, a continuation of the thought this morning. We ask the question, what is your reason to exist? Why do you exist on this earth, and while you exist here... What is your purpose? And we answered that from God's word with this truth that your purpose or your chief end is that you would glorify God in all that you do. Not only do we answer that question, what is our chief end, what is our purpose? Not only is it to glorify God, but part of glorifying God is enjoying Him forever, enjoying him forever. And so tonight, our fourth message in this thought process of authentic Christianity, this series, is enjoying God forever and what that really means for all of us. Let's pray and then we'll dive right into God's word. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for what you've allowed us to partake in today already. God, for the Preach word of God that penetrated our hearts this morning. God, the truth of your word, Lord, it is so sharp. God, it cuts through everything in our life. And God, it takes over. And Lord, we're thankful for the truth that's in your word. We're thankful for these dear people that are here tonight. God, who are hungry for more of your word. God, I pray for those who are watching online tonight. Lord, I pray that this message would encourage them, Father, that they could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit no matter where they are. Lord, I thank you that you are far-reaching with your capable hand, God, to move in each and every one of our lives. And tonight, Father, as our children and as our teenagers meet on this campus, God, I pray for Pastor Nathan as he leads the teenagers. God, as he breaks bread and instructs them in the way, Lord, I pray that you would anoint him, touch him, use him, Hide him behind the cross as he preaches to our young people. God, I pray for Brother John Burke. God, as he looks into the eyes of our children tonight, and Lord, as he talks about Jesus, God, I pray that you would give him special unction, that the children would listen to him. God, that they would hear the word of God clearly out of his mouth. Lord, I pray over that ministry tonight as they do what they are doing. Lord, thank you for all the volunteers, the leaders, the co-laborers that make it happen. Lord, I pray tonight as we study your word and hear that you would hide me behind the cross. God, that your name would be lifted up as we explore scripture together. In Jesus' name, we all pray together. Amen and amen. What is the chief end? And this word chief end, these two words, chief end, that actually comes from something we talked about this morning about the question, what is your purpose? You can go all the way back to the 1640s When a group of Scottish and English theologians got together to answer some of these questions and what came out of that uh, meeting, that group of men studying together God's Word, uh, we know today is the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's simply questions that are asked that are answered from God's Word with Bible to back up the answer. It's a wonderful guide just to have some questions of the basic faith of what it means to be a Christian answered. So what is the chief end of man, it asks. And the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And the reason we have to split these two uh, parts up and make it a two-part message is that you cannot clearly understand what it means to glorify God unless you enjoy him and you cannot enjoy him unless you glorify him. They work hand in hand, yet they are separate. It's very, very different uh, to be in an attempt in your flesh to glorify God than it is to attempt to glorify God uh, in the right way that brings honor and glory to him. And in the way you do that is by truly enjoying Being a Christian, you cannot enjoy God apart from glorifying him. They are the same, but truly different all at the same time. And it's best described like this. It's duty versus desire. Duty versus desire. My wife, Miranda, loves flowers. It's so easy to buy for my wife, Because she loves flowers. You can always get flowers any time of the year. I thank God that my wife loves flowers. Praise the Lord, you can even go online now and order flowers. Flowers are a wonderful thing. But if I was to give Miranda a bouquet of flowers, and I leave them on the breakfast table, she comes, she finds them. Oh my goodness, what beautiful flowers. Why did you get me these beautiful flowers? I promise you, if my answer was, well, it's my duty. She's not going to really appreciate, probably is going to pick them up and take them to the garbage can and drop them off there. Well, it's my duty. It's the same thing with God. Why do you come into God's house to sing? And if your response from your heart is, well, it's my duty then I promise you that is not truly glorifying God even in your worship. It's desire versus duty. And in our praise and our worship, we're taking our flowers, our gifts to God. And if it's coming from a heart of, well, I have to, it's what I'm supposed to do. I guess I'll check the box. I promise you, it does not come close to glorifying God. It's from a heart of, there is nothing more on this earth I want to do than to bring you this bouquet of flowers and honor you because I love you. There's nothing more that I want to do than to spend time with you. It's duty versus desire. And finding real joy in Christ, you will have to understand if the joy that you are supposing is found in duty or if it's found in desire. And really, real joy in Christ, biblically, is held up by five pillars. I'm not going to go through all five pillars, but there are five true pillars of joy that you'll always find. I hope you have pen. I hope you have paper to write these down. The five pillars of joy as found in the Bible are faith, hope, love, contentment, and gratitude. Faith, hope, love, contentment, and gratitude. These five pillars hold up what true joy in Christ is. And if you're going to find desire in your glorifying of God, if it's a true desire of your heart, that joy will come from these five pillars which have been given to the child of God. They're born out of the grace and the mercy of Almighty God towards his children. In other words, everything that gives me real joy found in Christ comes from God himself. In other words, there's nothing inside of me that I can do to make myself desire to glorify God. In other words, he will give you exactly what you need in your purpose to glorify him. And one of those things is real joy, that you will enjoy your God Enjoying God is actually a command. It is a command from God's word that you would enjoy him. And some people split hairs here and say, well, that sounds a little controversial or contradictive to what you're saying, that he would command that I enjoy him. He commands it because he's God he commands it because he's worthy of it he commands it because he will give you what you need to fulfill the command philippians 4:4 4, 4 says this rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice now it doesn't say rejoice in the stock market always it doesn't say rejoice in your political party's direction always it doesn't say rejoice In your circumstance it says rejoice in the Lord it is a command to rejoice in the Lord to find joy and happiness in your Savior there's a few ways that you'll find real joy in a life with Christ in which you can then glorify your God meeting your purpose the first is joy in salvation joy in salvation Why are unsaved people so unhappy? Because they cannot have real joy. Why are unsaved people so miserable in their existence? Because they do not have the taste of real joy in their mouth. No matter what you put there, I don't care if you have a billion dollars, there's nothing in this world like the joy of being saved. You can have houses, cars, lands, retirement accounts, a good family, good genetics, a good president in the White House and be utterly miserable if you don't have the joy of salvation. In Luke 10, 20, it says this, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather, here it is, rejoice because your names are. Are written in heaven you have real joy given to you by God through Jesus Christ because your name just like we sang about moments ago is written in heaven there is real joy and happiness and contentment and these five pillars they can all be found in the joy of being saved that I will never ever have to understand what it is to be separated from God I cannot go to hell because of my salvation. There is no way possible for me to ever not go to heaven when I die. Praise the Lord. I have joy tonight in my salvation because of what Jesus did for me. There's a wonderful illustration here of God's love for you and your joy in salvation found in Habakkuk. Habakkuk three seventeen and 18. Listen to what Habakkuk says. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The laborer of the olive tree shall fail. Sounds pretty sad. And the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Verse number 18 of Habakkuk 3 Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That no matter if the vine is empty, the tree is empty, the meat's been cut off, Habakkuk says, Yet will I rejoice in the God of my salvation because of what he did for me. There is true joy in salvation. The circumstances of verse 17 do not match the response of verse number 18. Your circumstance in life cannot determine the true joy of your heart. But if you've been saved, there is true joy in salvation, a vigorous determination that I want to experience real joy in Christ through my salvation. So there's joy, firstly, in your salvation. Notice what Luke chapter 15 says, verses 6 and 7. God taking joy in our salvation and so should we. Verse number six of Luke 15. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse number seven in the first part. And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. God gets joy. God gets happiness, glory, and honor in your salvation. And if the God of heaven can find joy in saving you, then I promise you there is available for you in your salvation joy in the Lord. Taking joy in your salvation. Luke 15.10 says this, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth, God takes joy in saving you. He takes joy in seeing one come to him with repentance. And there is joy for us in salvation. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 for just a moment. I want to show you something here. And this is something in Ephesians 1 that you can always go back to uh, for folks that have a hard time uh, with battling the security of their salvation. Folks who wake up in certain days and they feel doubt that comes. Oh my goodness, am I really saved? Is this all real? And your faith feels shaken. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. This is a wonderful, a beautiful description of salvation in Christ. And these verses truly, they should be ingested often. And while we are commanded to have joy, remember what I said, the resources for you to find joy internally cannot come from you. It must come from your salvation. So look what it says in Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ In the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him." "...in whom also we have ordained an inheritance." Boy, let me start verse number 11 again. "...in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ." in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, that the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the day of redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory." Hallelujah for my redemption, my purchase, and everything that God did for me in my salvation. There is great joy in being saved. Secondly, there's joy in Scripture revealed. If you want joy, you have to understand there's real joy in your salvation. And secondly there's joy in scripture revealed. Joy comes from devouring God's word. The hungrier you become for God's word, the more joy you will find. The more of God's word you take in, the more joy will be given. Joy comes from God's word. Psalms 119 is the best example of this truth, that joy comes from Scripture revealed. All of the following verses, you don't have to turn there, but all of the following verses are in the 119th Psalm. Verse 14 says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. The psalmist says that he delights in God's testimonies and compares God's testimony to the riches of all humanity. He's saying that the word of God is just as valuable, if not more valuable than every rich on earth, every treasure on earth, all the richness, all the goodness on earth, God's word is more so. He treasured his testimony Verse 35 says, make me go into the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Joy in scripture revealed. Verse 47, I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse number 77 of the 119th Psalm, let thy tender mercies Come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. And then the last in verse 103 How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And when you are in a place in your life where you have been robbed of happiness, robbed of contentment, robbed of joy, robbed of satisfaction, robbed of the peace of a good night's sleep, I promise you there is nothing in this world like finding a treasure in God's Word that is sweeter than honey to sustain you as a Christian, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. In the midnight hour when it's darkest in your life and you feel like you can't take one more breath God will have something for you in his word it will never run dry it's a cold water deep well that runs to the very ends of eternity and there is nothing you will find in this world like God's word God's word is powerful and you'll find great joy in scripture revealed You'll have something going on in your life. You'll be doing your daily Bible reading. It becomes mundane. It becomes a little dry sometimes. And then something will get a hold of you like nothing else can. Because that book is alive. I rejoice in thy law. Thy words are as sweet as honey to my taste. I delight in the path of thy commandments. There is real joy in Scripture revealed. It's one thing for God to reveal the truth of the Scripture to you. It's a whole nother thing for you to heed the warning, to yield to His power, and to follow what His Word said to do. But there is joy in Scripture revealed. In the words of Jesus, John fifteen eleven, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, And that your joy might be full. Not that you have to live in this life half empty, half hearted. You can be full of joy because of what I've done. What Jesus is saying is Jesus will find joy in you when you find joy in him. And the only way to find joy in him is to maximize our exposure to his word. You're not going to find joy in Jesus if you don't read your Bible. Let me say it again. You will never find true joy in Jesus if you do not read your Bible. You must saturate your life with the words on these pages. Hide it deep in your heart, and from there you will find real joy, real happiness, and contentment. Joy in the Word revealed. The Bible is the joy food for joy hungry souls. And the more you ingest, the more joy in your Christ you will find. God's Word is that powerful, it can change your life. God's Word. Joy in Scripture revealed. Thirdly is joy in the church. Joy in the church. You can find, even in a group of imperfect people who have a perfect Savior, real joy being in communion with a New Testament body of believers. There is joy when we come together and worship corporately. There is joy when we carry each other's burdens, when we feel like we need that one thing that nowhere else can give us, you can come here and find it. I've been all over the world. I love different places in the world. Costa Rica has part of my heart. Israel has part of my heart. There are many places on this earth that I I love. They're beautiful places with wonderful people. But there is nowhere in this world like 216 Shelburne Road in Asheville, North Carolina. And it brings me real joy to drive onto this campus. I can remember being five, six, and seven years old and the joy of my life was being here on this property. Seeing what God did in those services in the days of old in the old building was the joy of my life. As an adult, as a pastor now, the joy of my life is being here with you, serving the Lord together. There is joy in the church. Now, does it mean that the church is perfect? No. No. You'll not find a perfect church. If it is, when you show up, you know the adage. That goes for all of us because we're imperfect people. We all have opinions. We all have personalities. We all have different tastes. Some like cheese on their burger. I don't know why you wouldn't. Some don't. Pastor Nathan refuses to put cheese on his burger. It's like charcoal on a bun with ketchup. Put some cheese on it, now it's a burger. But we all are different. Can I tell you something? That's exactly how God wants it. Because when someone that's lost and dying and undone without Christ maybe comes in the door, maybe there's someone who they relate to that's already here that will help bridge the gap for them to hear a clear presentation of the gospel and for them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful, the tapestry of what a church is. It's diverse. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. We're all different. And that's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. But do not come to Trinity Baptist Church, to 216 Shelburne Road, and the joy of being together be about you or be about me. The joy from being part of the New Testament Bible-believing church, the communion together, is that it's focused on Jesus. The whole operation is about Jesus. That's why you can find joy here, is because it's above human expectation. It has everything to do with Christ and nothing about me or these other people. We're all here as sinners saved by grace. We just want to worship and learn from his word. But you can find real joy in a church. Psalm 48 2 talks about the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. The city of the great king. The church is the new Jerusalem, that city on a hill that cannot be hidden, the joy of the whole earth. If this room is chock full of families and people, individuals who love the Lord and who find joy in salvation, who purpose themselves to glorify God, it will change a city. There will be a column of smoke that you can see from the space station from right here on this campus if we all buy into this and apply it to our lives. True joy, it's contagious. Miss Debbie McCoy, where are you? One of the most joyous, happy people I have ever met in my life. Contagious to be around. She can walk into one of the most tense situations in the world, it's a true gift that God's given her. She can walk in, say one thing and instantly, there's laughter, there's joy why because she loves Jesus and he is the source of her joy he is her strength and when she gets in a room where it gets a little tight it breaks because of the joy of the holy spirit that indwells her do you understand what i mean there is true joy in loving the lord and being part of the local new testament bible believing church joy Psalms 27.4 says, This one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. The whole point of you coming here is to behold the beauty of the Lord. The beauty of the Lord found in Scripture. The beauty of the Lord found in what the choir sings. The beauty of the Lord found in the congregationals. There is joy found in the church. The spirit-led life of our church will shine brightly in a dark world. Make no mistake about it. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, But exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching, we are in the last days. There's no doubt in our minds that at any moment, Jesus could come back. I had someone say something interesting to me a couple weeks ago. They said, Pastor Winston, how did the people in World War II not feel like these are the last day. Millions of people dying. D-Day happened. Pearl Harbor happened. The whole world was at war. How did they not feel like those were the last days? And the key is what our pastor emeritus taught us faithfully for 33 and a half years is that you can tell time, God tells time with Israel. 1945 was not 1948. What happened in 1948 hit the pendulum and everything starts happening and developing. And now for the first time in history, we can truly say that the prophecies of God's words have been fulfilled and that Jesus could come at any moment and there'll be no doubt in your mind. I believe with all my heart that Christ could return before we get out of this building. But as you see the day approaching do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. We should not be turning down the gas and getting ready to leave for vacation. We should be turning the flame on high and burning all the water out of the pot until he comes. We have a duty, a task. You say, well, I'm retired. I'm in my 70s. Thank God you're retired. Let's do more for the Lord than we've ever done before. That should be our heart's desire and our heart's cry. Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves. Zephaniah 3:17 says this the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Why should we come to church? Why should we be here? The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. There it is again. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. The Bible says that God will sing over us and find joy in us singing and loving him. We should be here like the Cubans are five times a week if we could handle it. We should be together more, praising our God together. And as the day approaches, even more so, the Lord sings over us with joy according to Zephaniah and our heart should be to sing in joy for him. The last one we'll give you, we'll review these in case you're writing these down. Number one was joy and salvation. And if you're going back and going over these, write down Habakkuk three seventeen and 18. That's a very important illustration there. Joy and salvation. Joy in scripture revealed, all of Psalms 119 is a great place to study. Joy in the church. And then lastly, number four is joy in affliction. Joy in affliction. And I'll be honest with you, I've not had a whole lot of affliction in my 31 years. God's been so, so very good to me. I've never, ever known what it is to not know where my next meal was coming from. I've never known what it is to be abandoned and not have someone tell me they love me. I've never known what it is to bury a father or a mother. I've never experienced great affliction of a cancer center where someone's putting chemotherapy in my veins. I've never buried a child. I've never had my house burned to the ground. I've lived a wonderful, blessed life. And to God, I give all the glory for that. But if I understand my Bible and what it teaches me so clearly is that even in the midst of great pain and sorrow and loss and affliction, there is joy. So many of the most precious people I have ever met in my entire life have gone through some of the most difficult circumstances you can imagine. Miss Lorraine Sherlin, who just graduated a few weeks ago, is one of the greatest examples I have ever seen in my life. Every time you would speak to her, every time you were around her, no matter the circumstance or the situation, it may be a tough day. It may be a day where we have to cry. But there was great joy that was rooted deeply in her heart. And it had nothing to do with how much money she had. It had nothing to do with how big her home was. It had everything to do that her joy was rooted in her Jesus. Joy in affliction. And when we spoke of these five pillars of joy in the onset, I mentioned that it is vital that our joy cannot hinge, it cannot be controlled by the elements of this life. You can't. There's no way you can put your faith, hope, and trust and find your contentment in the things of this world and it turn out okay. It's just not going to happen. There'll never be real joy in anything that this world, young people especially listen to me, there is nothing in this world that it can offer you that will replace the joy of knowing Christ on an intimate level. Anything else that's offered to replace him is counterfeit. When your marriage goes through the most difficult days of its existence, your joy must be found in Christ. When you do have to go to a funeral home and say goodbye to a parent, your joy must be rooted in Christ. Working fire and EMS for 11 years before God called me into ministry, I saw daily the devastation of living in this dangerous world car wrecks, house fires, you name it. You know what I found out? The people whose joy was rooted directly to the size or to the beauty and the majesty of their home, when their home burned, it was the end of everything. How will we ever recover as they stand in the ashes of their brick and sticks and mortar? But then you'd go to someone's home who knew Christ, And they're standing in the same pile of ash and brick and mortar. And there's just this peace on their face. Boy, this is really sad. I lost all my family pictures. But you know what? It's okay. I've still got Jesus. And when I lay my head on the pillow tonight, I'll be at perfect peace. You can't fake that when your house is just burnt to the ground. The real joy of knowing Jesus when an elderly parent or grandparent goes home to heaven and there's a family standing around a bed and they're singing and there's praying and there's hand-holding and to watch a godly saint go home is so much different than walking into a situation of pain and hurt and sorrow where there's no hope on anybody's face because their joy was rooted in the things of this life. Matthew 6, 19. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Trinity, if you're going to live a life, if we are going to corporately live a life in authentic Christianity, glorifying God, enjoying Him forever, then our joy must not be rooted to things that are corruptible. It can't be. If your joy is money, it will fail you. If your joy is prosperity or popularity, it will fail you. If your joy is other people, they can fail you. But we must insist that our heart identifies Jesus as the most important treasure. And that we fasten the root of all of our joy to the person of Jesus. He's immovable. He he is absolutely going nowhere. He's steadfast. He's steady. And if you lay your treasure with Jesus, if your joy is found rooted deeply in Jesus, it will never fail you. And no matter what comes in life, circumstance after circumstance, trial after pain after sorrow, they may come, they probably will come. But if your joy is rooted to Jesus, there will be an everlasting spring of joy that comes in knowing him. This is not a prescription for a perfect life. And I've said it so many times in the past year, it's why I have such issue with the heresy of prosperity gospel. That if you'll pay your money and be a part of the club, You won't know what it is to have cancer. That's heresy. If someone tells you that they are a false teacher, you should turn the TV off and go on. If some booger calls you and says, hey, if you'll give me $200, uh, you know, your, your child, they won't have the issue. It'll be okay. That happens every day in the name of Christ. It's not in the name of Christ. It damages. That's not who we are. There is trial, there is affliction, there is sorrow, but there is great joy. And if your chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, we must find joy even in affliction. Paul said, because suffering produces hope in us. Romans 5, 3 and 4, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience hope. Paul said, The more trouble that comes, the more hope you'll have, the more peace, and the more joy in Jesus you'll have. Write it down for later, but first Peter 1 3 through 8 he echoes that same principle that there is joy even in the midst of great sorrow. You see, to the unbeliever, they find this principle absolutely absurd. How could it be that in the midst of your sorrow, you find joy? It's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians about their eyes being blind, their minds being blind. And it takes the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ penetrating the darkness of their mind for them to be able to see what we're talking about here tonight. If you're here tonight and you are not saved, this will be very hard to swallow. If you're here tonight and Jesus is not Lord of your life, this will be very, very difficult for you to process. Because according to the scripture, your mind is blind from the light of the glorious gospel. That is the work of Satan. And it will take your salvation for you to be able to process this, understand it, And find joy in the affliction. I want to close with this. There is joy in affliction. And one day, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the hurt, the lying, the deceit, the destruction, the drug abuse, the cancer, all the things of this earth that torment God's children daily, one day it will all come to an end. It'll all be over. And one day, Satan and his demons that have tormented God's children for far too long will be locked up in the smutty walls of hell for eternity. And he'll never be able to lay a finger on you or your baby or your wife or your husband or your child or your grandchild ever again. And for all of eternity, he'll be locked up, roasting in hell, receiving the punishment he deserves with his demons and his crowd while you and I are home in heaven, rejoicing, happy in the Lord for eternity saying, glory, 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 I made it home. And you'll never know what that pain and sorrow is ever again. And the greatest joy that we will ever experience will be the joy when we make it home. Heaven. Revelation 4, 10 and 11 The four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him Forever. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the words in our Bible. God, the truth revealed to us. God, we do not take lightly the truth of your word. God, we hide it deep in our hearts. And Lord, we are asking you tonight. To give us a better understanding of all these things. God, tonight I pray for the one who has lost their joy. Their real happiness. God, I pray tonight that they once again would find joy in Jesus. Lord, that he would be enough. Lord, that the torment of this life would for but a moment disappear and that the balm of Gilead would be applied and that they could find again joy in their salvation. God, for the one who's walking through a season of darkness or depression, I pray that the truth of Scripture revealed would penetrate the lies of the enemy, that you'd open their eyes and their heart to the light of the truth of God's word. God, for those who are in the affliction of their life, God, I pray that they would find joy in knowing that their name's been recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. God, that there would be great peace for them. Lord, that as we glorify your name, as we worship you, that we would enjoy you not only here on earth, but forever in heaven. Seal that in our hearts. Keep our eyes on the eastern sky for your soon coming Son. Oh God, keep this church stirred. Don't let us grow stagnant. Stir the waters. Use this church for your glory. We thank you for all the things you've given us. Be with our church family tonight as they travel home. Keep them safe. Bring them back on Wednesday night. In Jesus' name, we pray together. Amen. Thank you for being with us this evening. What a privilege it has been to be able to be in the house of the Lord all day today. It's been a great day. And we do thank you for being with us. Our E-Church, we count it a privilege to be able to worship together with you. If you will, mark on your calendar for Wednesday night. Wednesday night at 6.30, we'll meet right back here here at Trinity for our midweek service. We're looking forward to that time as as we continue to grow in the Word, uh, to become more mature Christians, to be able to help other people along the way. Thank you once again. Thank you for your faithfulness and viewing. Please make plans. If you need us, you can write us. You can call us. You can email us. There'll be a, 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 something coming up on your screen here shortly that you can uh, contact us. And we want you to know that we're welcome to hear from you. You have a great week. We're going to be praying for you. You be praying for us. We'll see you Wednesday night. We'll see you Wednesday night.